tonight. Everybody got theirs? Eric needs one back there. And we'll go ahead and get ready to get into the Word of God tonight. I was looking, I didn't charge my iPad this afternoon, but I feel like my iPad kind of represents myself tonight. Because starting out at um, 6.30 this morning when I unplugged it, it was at 100%. And then by the time the first service was over, it was at 80%. By the time second service was over, it was down to about 60 And then after youth group this afternoon and a little bit of study time, it is down to 28%. And after a Sunday, that's where I feel right now, about 28%. So I'm hoping to give you... The last 28% tonight, and then I go hit the grave and arise again tomorrow morning on Monday morning, and I always, I call it the, um, and it, this might sound bad, but the pastor's hangover from Sunday comes Monday morning, and, uh, but it's a good, it's a good one, and that's a good thing. Take our Bibles to Acts chapter number 9, we've been going through Acts for a while now, And instead of someone persecuting the church, we now see him being hunted. And we'll get here in just a moment. I'm going to run through a couple quick announcements, and then we will uh, continue on. Um, Wednesday night we have our Bible study and prayer meeting. Our prayer meeting is at 5.15, and this last week we had a few guests come. That was awesome, and they prayed and were a part of that with us. And then our service is at 6.30. And so I hope you'll be here on Wednesday night. This coming Thursday, the seniors in our church are having their senior lunch at Rodrigo's up in Montclair. I had someone ask me today, well, how old do you have to be to be a senior? In all reality, isn't age, you know, you, a lot of people, they say age is just a number. And older folks tell me I'm young at heart. Well, maybe there's some young person that's old at heart, Right. So if you're a young person, old at heart, sure, you want to go. I don't think they're going to turn you away. I've never seen some, Russ I've never seen Russ not talk to someone. And even at times it's embarrassing who he talks to when I'm with him. But anyways, so you will have someone to talk to if you go. So that will be Thursday at 1130 at Rodrigo's up in Montclair. That's, I think, basically Arrow Highway and Central Avenue right there. It used to be Don Jose's. They changed the name. But I think the food is still all the same. It doesn't, it doesn't seem, and I know there's probably someone here, no, it's just a little bit different. Okay, that's fine. It's a little bit different. I don't know that really is or not. But um, anyways, that will be this Thursday. And then on Saturday, man, I want to remind you about our breakfast. And prayer time will be here at 9 in the morning. We'll probably be done at 11. It's not going to be, I'm not going to keep you all day. But be a good thing to come. There will be a time of prayer, a short lesson that we'll have, and just a time to get together and to that would be a good thing. And so guys, come. If you want, bring your boys with you. And say, well, how young is too young? I really don't. If they're crying and you know, and you got to change their diaper, don't expect me to change their diaper for you. If you want them, that's fine. But um, I think it's a good thing. Bring your boys with you. We will not be too long. It's not going to be like they're going to sit here and go crazy, stir crazy. They'll be okay for a little bit of time. And I think it'll be a good thing. So that'll be the Saturday from 9 to 11. I mentioned um, this morning, and I'll mention it one more time tonight, on February 11th is our, so each month we do a different theme. The men are in January. The couples are in February, and, and February is Valentine's Day. Hey, guys, if you forgot, it's on the 14th. It's the same date every year. And uh, 
really, I think it's just a gimmick by the card companies to make more money off of us and things like that. And all these little hard, it's February. Why are there red hearts all over the place? I don't understand how that all works. But I love Valentine's Day because my wife loves Valentine's Day. So because of that, it's okay. But um, for our couples thing that we're going to do, we're, we'll have a lesson and things here. And then we're going to go to dinner over in by Ontario Mills. So it's on the 11th, Saturday the 11th. And so we'll meet here at 5, and then we'll go for dinner, and then we are going to go to a place called Top Golf. Now, you might be in here and be like, Valentine's Day date, and we're going to go to Top Golf. Now, just listen to me for a second, okay? Caroline went this last week for the first time, and it's the first time I've ever been to Top Golf. Now, I've gone on a golf course, okay? And I've chased my little ball all over the place. I've done that before. And it's amazing. It's like my ball's always drawn to the water. If there's water there, even if it's like that's too far away, I'm not going to hit it there. I somehow hit it there. And then there's other times where I hit it nowhere. And I can't, you know, and by the time I'm done, like I spent this money to go thing, And then now, and then right at the very end, I'll hit, I'll, I'll par a hole. Like I can do this. I'm going to do this again. Then I remind myself how bad I do when I go back out. But anyways, you don't have to be a good golfer for this. This is not, the, there are tons of different games to play. I will say this, the only time Caroline's ever picked up a golf club, well, one of two times, maybe if she was going to throw one at me, or if she was cleaning up my golf clubs for me, you know, well, that would be the only time she's ever picked up a golf club. She's never swung one before, but the games, there are so many different little games you can play. She beat me. She beat me. And she beat me by hitting the ball five feet off the thing. Because there's little holes that you try and aim for. It's funny. And she, I don't know what she was aiming for, but you won, right? And so I'm letting the church know. Caroline beat me. And so um, it literally comes to about, we were going to do it for an hour. It's about $12 a person is what it comes to. So it's not very bad. So um, you literally get, we'll all be together. So it would be groups of six right next to each other. And so in each spot, it's like $70 for that hour. And so you divide that among six, and that's where you get your total. From. And so it will be fun, and it will be interesting. And so I will have a sign-up sheet this coming week, and then we need to get that figured out right away so I can get that locked in if you're going to do it. And it will be fun. And you might just want to come to dinner with everybody and come hear the lesson about marriage and things, and that's fine as well. And so whatever you want to do with that. Take our Bibles to Acts chapter number 9, and we're going to dive in tonight. And now my iPad is down to 25%. It is running out. We'll see. Will we get to 7 or around that time? I had someone a couple weeks ago, they were like, wow, you really get done right on time on Sunday nights. I only do that for the kids' club workers. I really, it's about 7.01 is the latest I get done on Sunday nights. Now, Sunday morning, sorry, Mary, but I don't care about the Sunday morning workers. I just go as long as I need to. And Skylar, sorry. And then you can tell Lori, I'm sorry. Well, no, not really. I'm not really sorry. But Johnny, I'm sorry. Edna, I'm sorry. And uh, nursery workers, I'm sorry. But Sunday nights, we get through at a pretty good pace. Acts chapter number 9. Look with me tonight. If you remember, two weeks ago, last week we had our vision nights. So two weeks ago, we saw how Saul was persecuting the church. And we see that he was on his way to Damascus. And on the way to Damascus, he saw light. And the light that he saw and who he met that day changed his life forever. And Saul goes from the persecutor, Saul the persecutor, 
he becomes Paul the preacher. And I want to look tonight at what we see happen in his life and what takes place. We look tonight at verse number 17 of Acts chapter number 9. If you remember, the, um, we look at Ananias. He's like, I've heard a lot of bad things about this guy. Sure? Lord, I'm sure you need to go. So we look at verse number 17. It says, And Ananias went his way. Do you see he obeyed? It's a powerful thing to see. He did what God told him to do, even though he was a little worried about it. And there might be some doubt. There might be some worry in us. But it's always best just to do what God tells us to do. So we look. He went on his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul... The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee, way that thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, rose, and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Paul's my type of guy. He ate meat. He didn't go eat a salad. He didn't go eat a bunch of vegetables. He ate meat. Amen, right there. So was it bacon? I don't know. It could have been. Anyways, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples that were at Damascus. And straightway, look at this. Right away, he's just gotten saved. And straightway, he preached Christ in the synagogues. That he is the Son of God. That just floors me every time I read it. The man who hated Christianity, he barely gets saved. And literally, the scales are off his eyes. He gets baptized, and right away, immediately, he goes and he preaches Christ. And I hear people sometimes, I just, have to, I, don't, I just need more time. I'm not quite ready. Do you think he was ready? He went right away. I love that about Paul here. And it says, but all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them, which, came, which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews that dwelled at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. And just look at the next verse. It didn't take long. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. You see, the problem was who he was preaching about. But man, we see the man who hated Christianity get saved. His life changed. Remember that song that Carla sang this morning? Let me tell you about my Jesus and how Jesus can change your life. That's what you see right here. This is a changed man, and only Jesus can do that. And we'll dive into our notes tonight. Father, we're grateful for this evening, and I pray that you'd help us as we look at this passage tonight, that you'd our lives and our hearts. And I thank you for salvation. I thank you for that moment when we got saved. And yeah, it probably wasn't the bright lights, 
and the way that Saul got saved here, but I thank you for that day that you pulled me up out of the miry clay and that you set my feet upon a rock and that you established my goings and that you put a new song in my mouth. I pray you'd bless our service tonight. I pray all that's said and done would bring you honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I believe one of the greatest conversions in the Bible takes place in this passage. And I love how later on that Paul gives his testimony several times. And we see it over and over again. He was the persecutor of the church. He wreaked havoc on the church. And now he is a Bible preach, preaching Jesus Christ. And I love the fact that you see, I love the example that we see in Scripture here of how as Saul got saved, and he got saved. He didn't get religion. He found Jesus. He got saved. He got saved. We see that God led him to Ananias. What all did Ananias say to him? What I see right away is the fact that God used Ananias to help disciple Saul. Did he know to get baptized? Where did he learn that one? You see the Holy Ghost came upon him. Now, you might be sitting here tonight and be like, well, why did it take time? Why didn't the Ghost come upon him when he, right, when he got saved? That's what the Bible says. It does say that. But we're in the book of Acts, remember? In the book of Acts, when things would happen, things were not always the way that you would see it at other times and the way the doctrine set up. I've told you before, don't get your doctrine from the book of Acts. If you want to get your doctrine from the book of Acts, you're going to have a much more charismatic, Pentecostal thinking when it comes to things because that's where the doctrine comes from. And you say, well, why then did Saul, why did it take a while for the Holy Ghost to come on him? Well, let's think for a minute. This guy hated Christianity, right? So now all of a sudden, he gets saved. And then we see he comes before Ananias here. What did him receiving the Holy Ghost there do? It helped signify the fact that he truly got saved. And you'll see later on, as we go further into the passage, you'll see that the disciples didn't want to receive Saul. They were skeptical. Hey, this guy hated Christianity and now he wants to be one of us? There's no way. But there's a guy by the name of Barnabas. He's like, I've seen what's happened in his life. I saw the Holy Spirit come on him. Why do you think the Holy Spirit came on him? As a sign that he was truly saved for those that were there. It doesn't always work that way. But those who say that there are those that believe in the, you know, the baptism of the Spirit. Or you also have that after you get baptized, the Spirit comes upon you. And he got baptized after the Holy Ghost came upon him. The Bible teaches, and the Bible's clear, that when we get saved, at the moment we get saved, we are baptized into the Spirit, into one body. When you get saved, the Spirit of God moves inside of you to dwell you become the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not a progression. It happens instantaneously at salvation. So as we look here, we see it a little different right here, but I've tried to explain to you why it's a little bit different. But as we look here tonight and we think about these things, 
You know, I also think it's interesting that he sent him to Ananias because we see later on that the apostles didn't receive him right away. But I think Paul coming to the Lord, I'm glad that there was someone he could go to. You know, sometimes we look at other people, people that we know, and we're not very accepting of them. I know their past. I know how they are. I know how they've hurt me. It shouldn't be that way with God's people. God's people should be known for their love for one another. And I love the fact that Ananias received him. You see who he, he calls him? Brother Saul. Brother Saul. He welcomed him. And that's what church should be all about, too. Someone comes in the doors, they should be welcomed into this place. Man, I get, it's, it just hurts my heart when I hear about God's people not getting along or not accepting and doing different things. Man, we should all strive to be like Ananias here and reach out and do God's work together. I like that right there. I think that's a great example for us. But tonight I want to talk about Saul the persecutor and how he becomes Paul the preacher. Number one, we see the infilling or the filling of the Spirit in his life. The Spirit power that he had. We see in our text in verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Think about what Jesus said in John 14 and verse 16, And I pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Jesus even said later on in the Gospels there that it was expedient, it was necessary for him to go away so that the Spirit of God could come. You know, we think about Old Testament and the Spirit of God really would come and go as He pleased. Even David in that psalm of repentance, he said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I think about Samson in the Old Testament. Remember, his hair, his hair got cut. The Holy Spirit left him. And he didn't even realize the fact that the Spirit of God left him. What a bad place to get in life where you don't realize that God's Spirit's not working in your life. But when Jesus died on the cross, he settled it once for all. And we have, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. But as we live the Christian life, and as we see here, we see the fact that he was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what we need in our lives today. We need to be filled. The problem is, you can't fill something that's already full. You have a gas tank full of gas, and you see a sign that says it's $2.99 at this gas station. But your gas tank's full. You're like, I would just go, and even if I got 10 cents, it was saving so much money. Yeah, I hope you wouldn't do that. Some of you might in this room, and that's okay. That's, that's, your, that's your thing. You can't fill something that's full. Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, verse 18, And be not drunk with wine or in his excess, 
but be filled with the Spirit. You know what our problem in Christianity today is? We're not filled with the Spirit of God. We're full of the flesh. So, well, how can a saved person have the Spirit of God living inside of them and walk in the flesh? You and I do it all the time. Do you ever get mad? How many of you ever get mad? A lot of us get mad. Is mad a fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, being mad. It's not quite one. Anger. I used to use the word mad, but anger. Is anger, I am full of God's Spirit because I'm angry tonight. Now, if there's righteous anger, you might be able to you might be able to twist that one there. But when you're not getting your way and you're trying to twist it as righteous anger, you gotta be careful of that one too. I would tend to say that that's probably not being filled with the Spirit. Hey guys, when you're fighting with your wife, is that being filled with God's Spirit? You're like, yes, because God wants me to. No, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. And especially if you're sitting, don't go there, okay? Fighting with your spouse is not being filled with the Spirit of God. It's being full of yourself. Because only by pride comes contention. The only reason we have problems, the only reason you have problems with other people is pride. So I just don't believe that. That's what the Bible says. So if you think you know more than the Bible, then you can talk to God about that one. But it says only by pride comes contention. And the Bible tells us here that we need to be the Spirit. As we're filled with the Spirit of God, He gives us the power that we need to live the life that we need to live. An example many times, and I had someone just asked me about earlier tonight. It's been three years since I started the journey of trying to lose weight. And I'd tried several different ways before. I tried starving myself. That didn't work very long because by lunch I had to eat, you know? And some of you will get that later on. I tried a seafood diet, but every time I saw food, I ate it, and it didn't help me either. It changed for me. Someone asked me, they literally asked me this today, what made you lose the 115 pounds? I said, God literally had to convict me that I needed to. When it was wrong and I had to do something about it, I had to do something. Say so, and people have asked me all the time, what special plan did you do and how did you do it? Honest. No plan. No idea what I was doing. I prayed to God and said, if you want Brian to do this, you need to give him the self-control to quit drinking the soda and the ice cream. You need to give me self-control. And the Bible talks about in a certain passage in Luke that man knocking on his neighbor's door late at night and the neighbor saying, hey, I'm going to bed. Kids are asleep. I can't give you anything. And he kept knocking and he kept knocking and he kept knocking and then finally the guy got him the food not because he was his friend but because he kept bugging him so much. And how much more is the Father willing to give you the Spirit which you already have, right? Right? We already have the Spirit in us tonight. 
But if you will beg God for it, he will give it to you. And so in all reality, I did nothing special to lose any weight. I begged God to help me. And guess what? He did. And I beg God every day, please help me so I don't gain it back. Please help me. Please help me. That ice cream looks so good. People bring brownies to my house. People give me cookies. Why do they do this to me? You don't have to stop doing that. It's okay. The difference doing what the Spirit said and not doing what Brian wanted to do. I'm not saying it's that way for everybody. I'm saying what it was for me. So, Pastor, I just, I just can't be, you can be filled with the Spirit. But you've got to empty some things out of your life so the Spirit of God can. And may I just tell you, I got, and maybe I got a little victory in one area, but there were other areas at the same time that I needed more victory in. And it's like it's a constant battle. It's not just this thing. I achieved it. I've received. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And you say something like that, and then the pride creeps in, and then it's all you know God, and then you're not full of anything but yourself again. How we need the filling of the Spirit today. As I think on this thought, and as I go a little bit further here tonight, I want you to understand something. You need the Spirit of God in your life tonight. Those that preach the Word of God in our day, I I don't hear enough of it anymore, and it saddens me. I can go hear people preach. I can get online and listen to different podcasts and things. And I hear, well, hey, in your church, if you want to get your church to grow, you need to do this. And if you want your church to grow, you can do it this way. If you buy my manual, you can do this with your church and do all these things. No, what we need today, we just need men that are filled with the power of God and filled with the Spirit of God when they preach. That's what we need today. We need as, and if you teach a Sunday school class or you are teaching people the Word of God, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. People need the Spirit of God working in their lives. And if you don't have the Spirit of God working in you, how can you help them with it? I told someone today, it's been a hard thing for me to learn in my life. I come from a strong, a strong conservative background when it comes to church. I almost feel like sometimes the pastors in those churches tried to be the Holy Spirit for the people. And I would love to be the Holy Spirit for some of you sometimes. I would love to. I would love to help straighten you up just a little bit. But that's not my job. And that's not my job to tell you, you better do it this way and do that. No. I'm not supposed to lord over God's heritage. I'm supposed to be an example. And I pray that as you hear the word of God, this is the thing. Someone came to me this morning. And they're like, Pastor, I figured out what my problem was. Oh. He's like, you knew my problem all along when I talked to you about it, didn't you? Yeah. Then why didn't you just beat me up with it? What good is it going to do if I beat you up? I said, did you go read scripture about it? Yeah. Did the scripture beat you up? Yeah, I said, see, the Holy Spirit did it. It's not my job to beat you up. It's not my, because... I got enough things in myself that need to get straight. I just point him to the Word of God, and the Word of God's quick and powerful, sharpening a two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder, and is the discerner of the thoughts and all that other stuff that I just messed up when I said that verse of the heart. I know it's in Hebrews chapter number 4. But how we need the Spirit of God, each and every one of us, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. 
hey, if you look at that passage in Ephesians chapter number 5, right after this it goes into the husband and wife relationship. You will not be the husband you should be if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. You will not be the you should be if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. You will not be the worker you should be if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. Children, you will not be the child. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That's in that same line of verses. You will not be the child God wants you to be if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. And you'll never put on the armor of God and be able to withstand the evil day if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit filling today. And the thing is, we don't hear much preaching on it anymore. We hear how to have a comfortable, happy life, and we don't hear, no, you need to deny yourself, and you need to take up your cross daily, and you need to be filled with the Spirit of God, and He'll help you. You know what your problem is during the week? You're not filled with the Spirit of God, because if you were, you wouldn't do I wouldn't do what I do if I was filled with the Spirit all the time, and it would be awesome to always be filled with the Spirit. But Brian gets in the way too much, and you get in your own way as well. We need the filling of the Spirit of God. We see, number one, we see the filling of the Spirit in his life, but number two, we see Paul's identification. That's why baptism is important. It identifies you. Hey, tonight I got a wedding ring on. It identifies the fact that I'm married. Guess what? I could take it off, and guess what? I'm still married. It doesn't change the fact that I'm married. But people don't know. I wear this. It says I'm taken. It says I'm married. And there's the one, that's my wife. It identifies me with my spouse. We see Paul in verse number 18, or Saul still, and immediately there fell from his eyes that had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith and and was baptized. You see how he got baptized? I think that's a scriptural pattern. And may I just remind you, baptism doesn't save. Baptism simply identifies you with who? Letter A, with Christ. Identifying with Christ means something. In the time of the early church, do you realize many people died for identifying with Christ in believer's baptism? It was not a took lightly. And the Bible tells us in Romans 6, verse number 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the new when it comes to baptism, when we talk about the identif- it identifies us with Christ. It shows, hey, Christ, he was buried. He died. He rose again. And we put our faith and trust in him. And we're going to walk in the newness of that life now. It identifies us. That's why when someone gets saved, someone comes to the Lord, I always have a hard time when they're like, I'm just not sure I'm ready to get baptized. I'm not sure if I want to. And, and I'll hear these things often. And don't, don't get mad at me this evening, but I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says that you're supposed to be sprinkled as a baby and that's your baptism. Now I get it. It doesn't save you, your baptism. It does not. It doesn't. 
So I've had a few people where they're bound and set that they got sprinkled as a baby, but they got saved later. And they're not trusting in their baptism. They're trusting in Christ. And they can figure that out with the Lord. I'm not going to sit and argue with someone days over something. And some of us, quit arguing with everybody about every little thing. Love Jesus and go tell someone who doesn't know about Jesus instead of arguing about every little thing. Arguing and proving your point that you're right is not being filled with the Spirit either. But baptism, in the after salvation, that's a scriptural word. We also realize that baptism is a dunking down and up, not a sprinkling. I had someone ask me a couple days ago if I believed in holy water. And he was sincere. He was just, I love this one, this one guy, he's a friend of mine. We get together every once in a while. And he literally just asked me questions like that. Talked about a show he'd been watching on Netflix. And he wanted to know what I thought about some of this weird phenomena stuff. And he wanted to know what I thought. So I told him, I'm going to watch an episode of it and give him some thoughts on it. And he just has all these random you know, he asked me, do you think Noah's Ark's really on top of Mount Ararat still today? And if it is, why can't we see? And he was just going through. And I love that. He's curious about the things of God. I, I'm, I'm good with that. But he asked, do I believe in holy water? I said, no. There's no holy water. I know. I wish you, you know, some of you hoped there was. There's no holy water. Jesus didn't sprinkle with holy water. It's not found in the Bible. They were baptized. They went down, and then they come up. That's why I'm with the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember Jesus? He went down as he came up. The dove, the spirit descended, and God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Scriptural baptism takes place after salvation because it identifies you, first of all, with Christ, and then let her be. Identifies you with the church, with the body of believers. Being baptized there, Saul was identifying himself with the disciples at Damascus. Then what did he do? He went and he preached after that time. Now, there are a lot of people that have a lot of different beliefs and thoughts when it comes to baptism. I, I helped with an ordination a while back, and I'm not even sure why I'm bringing this up. And I got five minutes, and we're not to point number three. After I made the comment, I'm done at 7 or 701, and I got six minutes till 701. Great job, Brian. Great job. I did an ordination. There's a group of Baptists, and that's one thing. You get a group of Baptists in a room, and they're all going to believe lots of different things. It's the way it is in lots of different areas. Well, the question was asked to the young man that was going to pastor and that was getting ordained. They said, so if someone gets baptized not in a Baptist church, does their baptism count? And about 80% of that room said, no, it doesn't count. And I just sat there with my mouth closed. Not going to say a word. It wasn't my ordination. I'm not being grilled on questions. I'm not going to. Yes, Jesus' baptism didn't count. I guess Paul's baptism didn't count. Oh, wait. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. I forgot. 
Oh, Jesus' baptism did count. If you are scripturally saved and you are baptized for identification with Christ, I think you're going to be okay. I think you're okay. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He got baptized. And number three and lastly tonight, he got involved in ministry. I believe that's God's plan for every Christian. And I think Paul sets it up for all of us. He's filled with the Spirit of God. He gets baptized, and then he gets involved. Now, I'm not saying tonight you've got to get as involved as he did. But we look. Look at what it says there in, um, in verse number 19. It says, um, And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. That all certain days with the disciples that were at Damascus. And straightway, he left there right away. He preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. We see his, first of all, letter A, we see he preached the gospel. He declared Jesus as the Son of God. That is the gospel. That's what he did. And as we look at that and we think about what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. What a truth right there. Woe is me if I'm not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's Paul. He's different. Is he different than any other Christian that's alive? Is the Spirit different in Paul's life than what he is in your life? No, he's not different. Man, if we could get hold of this truth, and if we could preach the gospel to every creature, isn't that what it says in the book of Mark? I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of for necessities. I have to do this. When's the last time you just felt you had to tell someone about Jesus? It would change your life. And Jesus could change that person's life. And he could work on your life. There's nothing like seeing someone come to Jesus. There's nothing like seeing Jesus work in someone's life. If you've never been privileged to help do the Lord's work in leading someone to Christ, there's nothing like it. And there are people dying, going to hell that need the gospel. And Paul, it was necessity, he had to do it. But as he did it and as he preached the gospel, we see letter B, now he's persecuted for the gospel. See, the gospel was the problem. And as we look, we see that most people responded negatively at first to his message. And that's why, let me just say something tonight. Live does preach a message. Do you realize that tonight? The life you live does matter. Your neighbors, they see you. Oh, they're the Christians. Do they, they see you if you leave on a Sunday morning and go to church. They see what you do. Your testimony matters. And these people look at Saul and they're like, whoa, isn't this the guy that hated people that preached in this name? And now he's preaching in this name? And when we look at it and we think about it, the Bible made it clear earlier that there was going to be a lot of persecution that Paul endured. Man, listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24 through 27. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. 
Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen. In perils by heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false witness, false brethren. In weariness and painfulness. In watchings often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Whew. You think your life is rough? You think you're persecuted for righteousness' sake? Take a listen to what we just read. You see, it didn't stop him. He just preached, preached, preached. They arrest him and they bring him before a leader there, an authority there. Hey, let me tell you what happened to me on Damascus Road. Oh, Paul, thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. He just kept preaching and kept preaching. How could a man go from persecuting the church to preaching the gospel? Jesus. And he can change your life just like he changed Saul's life. And Christian, maybe it's time that you stop doing the things you're doing and you start getting filled with the Spirit of God and let the Word of God work through you. Be filled with the Spirit of God and live for the Lord. Father, I thank